Today, we are launching a new and exciting study in the book of Philippians. It's a great book. I suppose all the books of the Bible, you should say, are great. Uh, but this one just has played a really important role in my life and my spiritual journey. I'm sure many of you can relate because there's a lot of good truth, a lot of encouraging truth in the book of Philippians. Some of our most quoted verses that you find on mugs and t-shirts are found in the book of Philippians. Philippians 1.21, it's a really good one. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And when we talk about the context in which Paul utters those words, it's going to be even more profound to your life. The, the Christ hymn, the declaration of how good Jesus is in Philippians 2, 5 through 11, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's some good stuff. My favorite, my favorite verse is apparent. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or questioning. We're going to claim that over our homes. Philippians 3.8, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's a lot of encouragement in the book of Philippians. And I, I look forward to seeing how God stirs us as a people toward greater faithfulness through our time together in this book. To understand it fully, though, we need some background. To understand why Paul wrote this book and the significance of this book and all of these verses that provide us encouragement, it's important for us to understand the background of how the church in Philippi was established in the first place and why Paul is offering this treasure trove of encouraging words to the church of Philippi at this particular point in their life. Paul writes the book of Philippians from a place of love. He deeply loves, has great affection for the church in Philippi. And in the first five verses of the book of Philippians, he gives us a clue as to why he loves this church in particular. Let me just read these first five verses of Philippians chapter one to you. Paul and Timothy, his partner in the ministry, his son in the faith, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints, to all the redeemed in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, this established church now, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul's writing to this established church and he's giving thanks to God for them. Why? Verse five 
tells us. It's the the purpose of why he is giving thanks and ultimately what's motivating him to write the letter to begin with. I'm giving thanks to you. I'm encouraging. I'm writing to you. I'm loving you because of your partnership in the gospel with me and other churches from the first day until now. This church, Church in Philippi, has played a vital role in the ministry work of Paul encouraging him, supporting him, even at times when no other church would. As, as Paul's ministry is expanding now into the Gentile world, he needed a base of support. And the Philippi, or the Philippian church has become that base of support into Macedonia and beyond. On numerous occasions, as we'll see, this church has encouraged Paul from the moment they started until the time he is writing this Letter And now, Paul is returning the favor, encouraging them. They need encouragement. And the same way they've encouraged Paul when he needed encouragement. So Paul gets to return the favor in writing this book of Philippians to encourage this people in a time of need. And that's why even today, so many of us find this book an encouraging book. It was meant to be encouragement to a church that Paul deeply, deeply loved. They're united. Servants of the gospel, saints redeemed by the work of Christ. They are partners in God's larger work. And Paul is grateful to the Lord for this church that is partnered with them in gospel ministry. This letter was birthed out of a partnership. A partnership between Paul and a church. A gospel partnership that was itself birthed out of another gospel partnership. And to me, that's the first encouraging thing that I find about the book of Philippians. How it encourages in us gospel partnership. In this book, in the story of how the church in Philippi was established that we'll look at in just a minute in Acts chapter 16, it is showing us the importance, the necessity, and the beauty of gospel partnership. Did you know? that it's impossible for us as the people of God here at First Baptist Church of Irving to accomplish the work that has been entrusted to us, the Great Commission, to go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for us to do that on our own. We need to be in gospel partnership. God has designed us to live in community and missional community on purpose to remind us of our need for him and of our need for each other to do what God has called us to do. It's a design on purpose so that we don't become self-reliant, but that we are ultimately relying upon him and ultimate, and then secondarily relying upon each other as a gospel community to be about the work that God has called us to do. The work of the gospel is a work of partnership. And we see the importance of this unfolded on the page in Acts chapter 16. The story of the Philippian church begins with an already existing partnership. The beginning of Acts 16, we see two guys named Paul and Silas going out to be about the business of the gospel. And they've invited a young man named Timothy, we just heard about him in the book of Philippians, to join them. And they've been sent out by a church in Antioch, that originally sent out Paul and Barnabas, 
But now Paul and Barnabas have split over a disagreement about John Mark, and Paul and Silas have joined together in partnership. So they're in partnership together, having been sent out by a partner church, and they've included other partners in their ministry to go and do ministry. At first, they thought they were going to go to Asia Minor and continue their ministry in Asia Minor. But in Acts 16, we see the Spirit of God appear to Paul and say, hey, I know you had plans to stay in Asia Minor, but I got different plans for you. I want you to go somewhere else. And so they are paused. They're stopped in their tracks until Paul receives a vision in verses 9 and 10 of Acts 16 of a Macedonian man standing there urging him in this vision at night, a dream saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, Luke's included here, sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. God changed their plans. And Luke says, immediately they submitted to the will of the Spirit in obedience and went to Macedonia. And some incredible things happened. Some incredible evangelistic fruit comes from these men's obedience in Philippi, which is in Macedonia, modern-day Greece area. Let me tell you about Philippi. It has a rich history and lineage in the history of Rome. It was a Roman colony, and it had great favor with Rome because of this history in the Roman history. Now, of course, it was a Greek city, but it had been fully embraced by Rome. And here's why. It was the place where Antony and Octavian defeated Brutus and Cassius. And later it was the place where Octavian defeated Antony. And so because of this history and a special place that it held in Octavian's rise to power, this colony is set apart. And given the status of Ius Italicum, which is Italian right in Latin, it was the highest status a colony could obtain. And because of the favor from Rome and its unique position in the Roman Empire as a place to receive imports from the East, the people loved Rome. And they were getting wealthy off Rome. In fact, their love for Rome had turned to worship of Rome. Emperor worship was probably the leading religious practice in Philippi. It's so captivated Philippi that when Paul arrives, there's not even enough Jewish people to form a synagogue. Many of you know that the practice of Paul when he went into a new city was to go to a synagogue and then there begin conversing with people who already had some knowledge of God and some knowledge of the scriptures to tell them about how Christ was the fulfillment of the scriptures. But when he gets to Philippi, there's not even enough Jewish people in the city to have a synagogue because they're so captivated with emperor worship. And so he goes and looks for some God-fears, some, some Jewish people in the city, if there are any. And there are some women holding down the fort, right? Faithful ladies, worshiping by the river. And so Paul and his companions, they go and they engage them. Something beautiful happens in Acts 16, verse, verse 14. There's a woman named, there named Lydia. She's hearing the gospel and And listen to what God says about, or what Luke writes about God's activity in Lydia's life. So she's rich. She's a seller of purple goods. She's a worshiper of God. And as she hears about the gospel, the Bible says that the Lord opens her heart. 
to pay attention to the gospel. She's saved, radically saved in that moment. Her whole household becomes believers and are baptized and they become, this household becomes a centerpiece of support for Paul and his friends in Philippi. Pretty incredible. This partnership already beginning in Philippi. And then the Lord uses this ministry team to deliver a young slave girl. We see this account in verses 16 to 24 of chapter uh, 16 in the book of Acts. This slave girl had a demonic spirit that gave her the ability to see into the future. And her owners were making a whole lot of money off of her. And there's this really great moment in verse 18, Paul's walking by her daily and the spirit provokes this, this girl, this demonic spirit to mock Paul. And one day, Paul just gets fed up with it. In fact, the Bible says that uh, he becomes greatly annoyed. So, you know, be careful when an apostle becomes greatly annoyed at you. And he turns to the spirit and says to the spirit, get out of that girl right now. And the spirit does. A miraculous deliverance. The owners of the slave girl don't see it that way because they're making a whole lot of money off this girl and suddenly they're source of income is taken from them. And so they have Paul and Silas beaten, arrested, taken to jail, put in stocks in the innermost prison. But wouldn't you know that God had plans for even that moment? Paul and Silas don't let their imprisonment stop them from faithfully doing what the Spirit of God himself called them to do in Macedonia. This inconvenience is an opportunity for Paul and Silas. Because even in prison, they are faithfully proclaiming the gospel and the, the Lord uses that imprisonment to orchestrate another miraculous salvation in the city of Philippi, this time from a guy that probably doesn't know anything of the God of the Bible. Let's read that account, Acts 16, verses 25 to 34. Here's what the word of God says. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And obviously that's a pretty convicting verse because how many of us in the middle of the night in a prison with stocks and the inner city in the inner portion of a jail would be praising the Lord for that moment. I'd be like, uh, God, a little help. Get me out of here. Now they're praising the Lord. Everybody's listening to them. And suddenly verse 26, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's, every single prisoner's bonds who were listening to Paul and Silas were unfashioned or unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prisoner, or prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he's about to kill himself because he had failed in his job. He had failed the emperor and he knew that his life was going to be taken from him, so he was just going to get it over with. But Paul, verse 28, cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Now, what struck me this week as I was reading this story is it wasn't just Paul and Silas that stayed. It was every single person in the prison. Right? These are probably criminals. They had a moment to flee, but because of the powerful worship and testimony of Paul and Silas in the prison, they were willing to stay. What a witness. 
the jailer called for lights. He rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. He knew this was unusual. He knew this was not normal. And he said to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Praise the Lord. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and he washed their wounds. Paul and Silas now being served by this family, they wash them, but then they also get washed because they're baptized at once. He and all of his family, he brought them up into his house, set food before them, rejoicing along with the entire household because they had believed in God. That's pretty incredible. Paul and Silas could have run. The prisoners could have run. But Paul and Silas's freedom was not their ultimate concern. They were already prisoners of someone else, right? And as a result of their sacrifice, the people in that prison hear the gospel, the Philippian jailer and his whole family believe in Christ and are baptized. And the jailer and his family, just like Lydia, immediately become partners in the gospel. They serve Paul and Silas immediately washing their wounds. They feed them and they become part of this eclectic, beautiful, diverse church being formed in Philippi. The church was formed because of partnership. It's now being sustained because of gospel partnership. And here's what's really great. Moving forward into Paul's ministry, we see the church that was birthed in gospel partnership and sustained in gospel partnership, now partnering in greater gospel partnership to push the gospel even further. They form a base for Paul's Macedonian ministry. It's so important to see here. This young church, not even 10 years old, whenever Paul writes the book of Philippians from when it was founded to then, doesn't just take the partnership of others. It becomes convinced that they must also partner for the sake of the gospel. And look at the way that Paul commends them throughout his writing for how they partnered with Paul in the ministry. Philippians 4.15, you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of this gospel work, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Then verse 16, chapter 4, we see that specifically in a difficult time of ministry in Thessalonica, the Philippian church was there to encourage Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 11, we see that the Macedonian churches in first among the church in Philippi leading in the effort to raise funds for churches in need. In chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, we see Paul thanking the Philippian church because they had given him money, allowing him to not take any money from the Corinthian church, thus calling into question his motivation. And then in chapter 8, verses 1 and 5, we see the Macedonian churches are used by Paul as an example of how to give sacrificially, financially, to the work of ministry, even when you don't have a lot of money yourself, because of how much they believed in the gospel. In fact, I think Paul writes there that the reason they did that is because they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the ministry. He uses an example about how to partner in the gospel. It's so incredible how encouraging this church has been in the life of Paul, but now they need encouraging. 
And so Paul now returns the favor of a gospel partnership. When he needed encouragement, when he needed support, they gave it. And now they need encouragement. They need support. And now he's giving it to them in writing this letter. Saying to them, remain faithful, even when it's difficult. Remain faithful, even when it's costly. I know you're afraid maybe that you'll end up like I am. He's writing this letter from prison. Maybe in Rome, maybe in Ephesus, we don't know. Maybe you're discouraged and you're thinking that you don't want to go on because there's a, there's a fear that you may end up in prison as well. The gospel is worth it. And so Paul writes the book of Philippians filled with truth about Jesus, filled with the gospel message to encourage them to remain faithful, even as he has been encouraged to remain faithful. And in this story, in the background of the book of Philippians, we see the importance of gospel partnerships. And so I can't think of a better way for us to start this year or to start this series in Philippians than to talk about the importance of gospel partnerships because we would not have a book of Philippians without gospel partnerships. So let's consider this morning the beauty and the necessity of gospel partnerships. And now even today, we as a church need to be involved in partnerships for the sake of the work of God. Why are they necessary, gospel partnerships? Why did, why did Paul begin his letter in the book of Philippians by giving thanks for gospel partnerships? I got three reasons from our text today, from the background of Philippians that I think remind us of why gospel partnerships are important. Firstly, Gospel partnerships reveal a commitment to gospel advancement. Reveal a commitment among a particular people to gospel advancement. As I've already said, the calling of the church is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We see it in Matthew 28, we see it in Acts 1.8. We are to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that work is too great for any one of us individually or any one church to do on their own. Let me ask you this question. How many of you think it's possible in your lifetime to travel to every single country on the face of the planet and visit every single people group in that country? Anybody? It's not. It's not possible. Can't do it. We don't have enough resources don't have enough time, don't have enough ability to do that. It's impossible to do on your own. Here's the beauty of God's design though. He never designed it for you to do it on your own. He called you to be a part of a people and not just a local people, a global people who are to be about this work of gospel advancement. And when we fail to see the necessity of gospel partnership, we are failing the work that God has entrusted to us. Think about this. Let's, let's take this grand piano over here for a second. It is grand, isn't it? Imagine that we had to do some work on that piano. Imagine that we had to get something fixed or we had to refinish it. And in order to do that, we needed to get the piano off the stage and onto the ground. And imagine if I came in here and thought, Jared, I think you can do this moving of the piano off the stage onto the ground on your own. How do you think that would go? Uh, Many of you are thinking, well, Jared, obviously you're very muscular and 
it probably would be easier for you than most. But likely, you're going to end up hurting yourself more than helping the cause of getting the piano fixed, right? Think about what could happen. I mean, I'm trying to get the piano off. Eventually, it's going to fall on me. I probably could tear a muscle, strain my back. If it fell on me in the right way, I could, you know, break my back, my spine, and not be able to walk anymore. There's a work that needs to be done, but if I try to do it on my own, I'm I'm going to end up hurting the cause more than helping the cause. And that same principle is true in the work of ministry, friends. If you try to do this work on your own, it will lead to, to discouragement. It will lead to devastation because that was not the way that you were designed or that this mission was designed to be fulfilled. It was designed to be fulfilled in partnership. And when we partner together, we are saying, we recognize what has been entrusted to us, this work of the gospel, and we are committing ourselves to locking arms with other like-minded brothers and sisters, like-minded churches to make sure the gospel moves forward. This work is not finished. And it won't be finished until every single nation, every ear hears of what God has done for them in Christ, until the the world is covered by the proclamation of the gospel. Philippi, The church in Philippi is the result of a faithful church in Antioch sending some brothers out. It's the result of some faithful brothers going. It's the result of some faithful brothers, even when there's this disagreement between them, committing themselves to continue to go and inviting other people to go with them. It's the result of them faithfully listening to the Holy Spirit of God and seeking the work that God had already prepared for them. It was a partnership that led to its founding and a partnership that resulted from it that allowed the gospel to advance even further. It's easy for us to forget what our ultimate purpose is as a church. We can get distracted. We can get comfortable. We can even get lazy. And I want to encourage us today, from the example of the Philippian church, let's not forget why we are here. Let's be engaged with gospel partnerships to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're already involved in some. We're involved in the Southern Baptist Convention because we believe as a people that it's important for us to lock arms with other like-minded churches to do more collectively than we could do individually. To support church planning through the North American Mission Board. To support international missions through the International Mission Board. We partner with our local conventions, state conventions, to do work in Texas that we could not do on our own. Do you realize that we can't even do the work of reaching Irving on our own? We need other like-minded churches to come alongside us to reach the people who are directly around us. And if we can't do that in Irving on our own, what makes us think we can do it globally on our own? We need partners. That's why we also partner with Pillar. Church Planning Network, we just did that this last year because we believe that there are, there's a need in North America and, and surrounding areas to have new churches that are birthed, just like we see in Acts 16, to take the gospel to the people who have not heard him. We've partnered with missionary families around the world. We've sent out missionaries from our own church. We've got the circles here today who are leaving next week to go back to Honduras. 
to meet the outlaws who are already there. Why? Why would they go? Why would we send them? Because we believe that Honduras needs to know the gospel. Today, I'm leaving to go to Ethiopia to meet Pastor Rick. I'll tell him you all said hi. Why am I going there? Why, Why are we even concerned with Ethiopia? Well, some years ago, we as a church adopted an unreached people group. And it's in Ethiopia, in a very hard-to-reach place in Ethiopia. And we as a church had tried to engage this people group on our own. We had sent a, a team over there. We had gone up in the mountains. We had tried to find them, to know them. But we're just very limited in what we could do, only sending a team once a year to a place we had never been, to a people we had never met. And as Pastor Rick came as an elder and was working with us in missions, he said, you know what, I, I know somebody in Ethiopia because he lived there for, he lived in Africa for a long time. And he's a native Ethiopian who actually happens to have a church planning network of Ethiopians. Wouldn't it make a lot of sense if we partnered with them and some people who live there to go and try to do this work that we've been struggling to do on our own? Wouldn't that make a lot of sense? And so we did. Because of your faithful giving to our budget and your faithful giving to the global mission offering, we are able to support two families who have left their location in Ethiopia to go into the mountains outside of, I don't know if I want to say that, in a part of Ethiopia, to reach a people that we could not have reached on our own. That's the beauty of gospel partnership, friends. And that's the way the gospel will move all around the world. It happened in Philippi. It's happening even today. Secondly, not only does gospel partnership reveal a commitment to gospel advancement, gospel partnerships provide a source of encouragement in our gospel work. Gospel partnerships are a provision from God to encourage us when gospel work gets difficult. Do you know that ministry is hard? Do you know that that being a Christian is difficult sometimes? Especially in places that are opposed to the idea of Christianity. And listen, not just against physical opposition. Remember, we don't just wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with powers and principalities. There's physical and there are spiritual things coming against us to stop the advancement of the gospel that we are trying to advance. The whole story of Paul is a reminder to us that sometimes ministry is costly. Sometimes a commitment to gospel advancement is costly. Paul and Silas were beaten. He was in prison. Now he's in prison again. It can be discouraging. But praise the Lord, in the middle In the midst of that possible discouragement, he's already made a provision for encouragement through gospel partnership. When Paul needed encouragement, Church of Philippi was there. When the Church of Philippi needed encouragement, Paul was there. When other churches needed encouragement, other established churches were there. God has already made provision for you in seasons of discouragement in ministry. He's he's made that provision with us collectively. Hopefully every time you come to church at First Baptist Church of Irving, you are encouraged by people here, speaking the gospel to one another here, to remain faithful, to remain diligent, even when it's difficult. That's true of the church corporately. But remember this too, 
It should also be true of us as a church, not just within the church, but as a church, that we would be encouragements to partners in ministry that are in more difficult circumstances than we find ourselves today. As a local church, we should be encouraging other local churches. How can we do that? How can we be encouraged to other churches around the world, especially those who exist in hard places? Well, firstly, we can labor with them. We can go and minister alongside them. Sometimes they only have two, three, four people working in an area, and they're refreshed when brothers and sisters come from another part of the world to to labor alongside them, to carry some of that weight. We can support them. In some places, they don't have enough, they can't make enough money. Even in established churches, they can't make enough money to, to pay a pastor to lead and guide them. Well, if we have an, an abundance of resources, part of our stewarding as a local body of those resources is to figure out how to give some of that away. We should never want to keep all of our money to ourselves. We're encouraging you as individuals to be good stewards individually of what God has entrusted to you. But as a church, we should be giving away in the same way that we're asking individually for you to give away. And so we should be thinking about how to support and, and, and give financially around the world to support the work of ministry around the world. And then, of course, we can refresh them. I've seen it over and over again when I've gone to Scotland, Chile, Brazil, when I've gone to Peru, even last year with our church, it's amazing what a week with brothers and sisters who you're familiar with can encourage you in ministry. In a season of difficulty, maybe things aren't going the way that you hoped they would, to have somebody give up their, their time, their money, their vacation, to come and spend a week with you, it's amazing how that will sustain you for months in difficult ministry. And friends, we can certainly do that. We're going to do that in 2020 and beyond. We can labor, we can give, and we can refresh. But here's what's also incredible. It's not a one-way street, this gospel partnership. There are gonna be times when we need, to, we need to be encouraged by the same people that we're encouraging now. What happens in the near future if we have a government that becomes suddenly opposed to Christian ministry? What happens if we have a government that doesn't work for us as Christians, but is some ways legislating against us, or it's not as easy to be a Christian in America as it used to be? How do we respond in those moments? Wouldn't it be nice to have some brothers and sisters who have dealt with government oppression before, who have who have found out how to be faithful in the midst of an oppressive society, wouldn't that be an important thing for us to have access to? Well, guess what? All around the world, there are Christians who live in oppressive governments and they have proven faithful. And what an encouragement they could be to us as we try to navigate different difficult waters in the days that are ahead of us. Gospel partnership is a provision of God's grace for encouragement. And this letter, the book of Philippians, is a testimony to that. Thirdly, gospel partnerships remind us of our own limitations to accomplish this work. And not just as human beings or individual human beings, as human beings generally. The need for partnership with each other reflects a greater dependence, a greater need 
our ability to accomplish this work on our own reminds us of who is ultimately able to accomplish this work, the Lord himself. Remember, we're servants of Jesus Christ. As Paul and Timothy were, so we are now. We are servants of him because we are saints of him. We have been set apart to be servants. And this is to remind us, as we depend upon each other, it's a reminder that even our best efforts cannot do what only God can do. We are dependent upon him for salvation, and we are dependent upon him for the advancement of the gospel. Listen, a lot of stunning things happen in the book of Acts. Not one of them is because of Paul and Silas. He used them, but it was ultimately a work of the Lord. It was God who directed Paul and Silas to Philippi. If it was up to Paul and Silas, they would have even gone to Philippi. But it was the Holy Spirit of God that led them there. It was God who opened up the heart of Lydia. It was God who delivered that slave girl from her possession and perhaps even more. It was God who caused the earthquake. It was God who orchestrated this crazy group of people into a church that funneled ministry out of Philippi into all of Macedonia. It was God who moved them toward incredible maturity in 10 years so that when Paul is writing in Philippians 1, just 10 years ago, Acts 16, they already have elders and deacons in place, a healthy functioning church. And it was God who gave them the resources they needed to not only live, but support Paul and his ministry. God did all of that, not Paul and Silas. That was God. You see, our partnerships remind us of a greater partner. We need a greater partner in the gospel work than just each other. We need God himself. And our partnership and our frailty is meant to remind us of who's ultimately responsible for the work that we are a part of. The Philippian story is God's story. Celebration of what he has done and is now still doing. Every time we partner with the gospel, it's an opportunity for us to behold the glory of God. As he works through us to do what only he can do. Why would you want to give your life to anything else? There's nowhere else to see the work of God like this than in gospel partnership. Locally, it's a body of believers. I got to say, as a, as a pastor, as your pastor, I am grateful for your partnership in the ministry. I'm grateful as members that we have partnered together here at First Baptist Church of Irving to do ministry in Irving. I'm also grateful that we as a people see it as a, as a necessity to not only to, to not limit our reach of ministry to just here in Irving, but that we want to partner with people and churches all around the world to advance the gospel. But I'm also grateful that we're a part of a church that knows there's a limit to what we can do on our own and that nothing of eternal significance will happen outside of the Spirit's work in us and through us. So as we think about the book of Philippians, as we think about 2020, may we resolve as First Baptist Church of Irving to remain in gospel partnership here, to see the gospel advanced in Irving for the glory of God. May we grow 
and our partnerships globally to see the gospel advance around the world. And may we fall on our knees before God, praying for the Lord to take our measly efforts and do something more than we could do ourselves. And let's see what happens, friends. Let's see what God does with that humble supplication. Let's see how he shows himself mighty. Who knows? Maybe we'll be part of an Acts 16 story in the near future. Let me ask you these questions today. Do you take this responsibility of gospel advancement seriously? If you know Jesus, here's how you know him. Someone told you about him. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was the witness of scripture and the faithfulness of the apostles. Somebody told you about Jesus. And the example of Philippi is this. We cannot hold on to what has been entrusted to us. It must be advanced. Do you take that seriously? Who are you telling? Have you joined with the people in gospel partnership today? Pastor Blair just finished teaching a, a membership class downstairs because there are more people who want to partner with us to do gospel ministry here. Maybe you need to join the church and be a part of this gospel partnership. And then as a church, we need to prayerfully consider and think about how we partner with gospel, with a, in a gospel way around the world. All the while, making sure that we are before the Lord, dependent humbly upon the Spirit to do what only He can do. And I'm just convinced if we give ourselves to that, the Lord will do great things through us as a people, as he has constantly done time and time again in the witness of his word. Do you take that seriously? Are you partnered here? Are we partnered the way that we should be as a church to see Irving and the world know about Christ? Wherever you are, do you bow your heads? Spend some time before the Lord asking him to help you know how to respond. Maybe some of you in here today would identify more with Lydia and the jailer before they were converted. You know things about God, or maybe you don't know anything about God at all, but today you're hearing something about Christ and the Lord stirring your heart to believe in him for salvation. In just a minute, we'll have some pastors and ministers here in the front. If you have questions about Christ, how you can be saved, a recipient of this gospel work, we would love to speak with you about that in just a minute. For the rest of us, are we committed to this work? Are you partnered with the local church? We'd love to have you here. And are we as a church, individually and collectively, are we doing this work so that other Philippian churches can be founded all around the world. Father, we want to be faithful to the work you've called us to. And we know we can't do that alone. We need you and we need each other. And I pray that as we begin this journey in the book of Philippians, we would not miss the reality that it was birthed out of a gospel partnership. And all the encouragement it provides is an encouragement burst from gospel partnership. 
May we take gospel partnerships seriously. It's the work you've given us. Find us faithful, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads.